Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, the Children and Family Director. Whether you're in person here or online, we are so glad you're joining in. If you're a guest, we especially want to welcome you and invite you to go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest, where we can connect with you and also make a donation on your behalf to feed my starving children. Well, our mission here at Faithbrook is to love God, love people, and journey together. And a big part of that is our community outreach. We want to be a light to our community and make a difference. So that's why this month we are partnering with Mosaic Christian Community in St. Paul. Check out this video to see what they're up to and how they're shining a light in the community. Hi, Faithbrook friends. Uh, my name is Jeff O'Rourke, and I'm the lead pastor at Mosaic Christian Community here on St. Paul's East Side. In 2012, my wife Jessica and our three boys moved here to St. Paul to take the remnant of St. Paul First Church of the Nazarene and transition to the new start, Mosaic Christian Community. From the very beginning, our mission here at Mosaic has been to mobilize and equip the community of Christ into a lifestyle of hospitality. And that posture of hospitality has opened so many great doors for us to just be a, a, a faithful presence here on St. Paul's East Side. And so for the last two summers, Mosaic's parking lot has been a safe place for women and women with children to, to park their cars overnight and be connected with county resources. And it's been such a blessing because as we've hosted these uh, around 30 guests each summer, uh, they've been able to be connected with resources, some in as little as 24 hours. And it's through that partnership uh, with the county and with the city that we were introduced to another unmet need. And we were introduced to a company, a, a an organization that was looking to meet that unmet need by the name of Settled. And so Settled came to us and um, said, you know, there is a need. Um, would you be willing to entertain the idea um, of being part of this bigger movement uh, that says that folks who are coming out of experiencing homelessness, folks who are coming off of the street, people who have who have been through some uh, tremendous tragedy in their lives, would you be willing to be that that middle ground where where people who experience that can also be the same place where people who have resource backgrounds, who are from the church world, who um, seem to have it put together, can live together peacefully in harmony in community together? And we said, yeah, let's. Let's uh, look more into this and let's find out, find out what this is all about. Settled has a drastically different approach. They call it the community first approach. And the community first approach steps back and says, first off, these are people. And they're people who are created in God's image, just like me and just like you. And, and what do they need more than anything? We might, at the, at the initial outset, we might say, well, they need a home. Um, that's where the housing first model comes in. But in the community first uh, model, we say, no, what these people need are a supportive network of friends, of family, of people who love them, who genuinely care for them, who wanna make sure that they are known and that they, that they feel known. Um, the same thing that you or I want. And at the same time, we're also providing a space where these folks who are coming out of homelessness can find meaningful work. Specifically at Mosaic, we, we're gonna have six homes. Four of them are for people who are coming up off the streets. Two are for um, both an individual and a family of four um, who are coming from resourced backgrounds. And they're giving up their um, life in um, 
where they were living and they're choosing to, for instance, the family sold their home and they're gonna buy a tiny home and, and live among um, four individuals who are coming out of, of experiencing homelessness. The four people who are coming up off the streets um, have been um, identified by another nonprofit in the area working, uh, walking with a purpose. Uh, and, and Todd there knows these folks. He knows the, the folks who are experiencing homelessness all throughout St. Paul. And he said, here are some folks who would thrive in this environment and they're ready for this. The goal isn't to graduate out. This is to welcome people home. Um, this is to, to have them come and inhabitate a, a tiny home on a modest chunk of, of church property, and this is going to be their home. We're really excited about this sacred settlement and our partnership uh, with Settled here at Mosaic. And right now our building is in full-on construction mode as we prepare it, transition it to become a common house. The kitchen is going to be transitioned to a shared kitchen where our, our neighbors can cook and prepare meals and share those meals together, but also share space and share meals with the community at large. Our boiler room has become the laundry room. Our janitor's closet is becoming a, a new shower uh, where our residents can shower and, and have just a, a dignified place to, to clean up and get ready in the mornings. Our classrooms are being transitioned to, yes, still be a classroom where we'll have nursery and Sunday school and, and and small groups meeting, but then also during the week be a, a place for them to sit and maybe watch a movie or to, to work in the craft room and, and make a make a necklace or, or use their gifts to, to make something that they can sell and, and earn a, a living wage. And so we're just excited about the way that the building is being transformed to be a, a safe, hospitable place for our community to continue to come together. And we're also really just so thankful and excited for Faithbrook and your partnership with us in this. And we're just excited to, to have you come alongside us as we um, establish this sacred settlement here on St. Paul's East Side. If you'd like to be a part of this and give, the best way to do that is through our Church Center app. Once you're in the app, you would select Give, and then how much you wanna give, and from the drop-down, select Mosaic Settled Project. If you're thinking about doing it, do it now, because this is our last week we'll be collecting funds towards this project. Well, let's welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, to wrap up our series, Rock Solid. Well, I'm excited about this opportunity to partner with our sister church in St. Paul. Uh, wow, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been so frustrated at how to help homeless people. If the proper way is just give them some dollars on the street corner or just throw them in a hotel someplace. Well, someone came up with this meaningful long-term solution of inviting them into these tiny homes to take responsibility and then mentor them in a spiritual Christian environment to get back in a functional way. And so we wanted a partner. I know Terry and I are going to give a generous uh, donation on behalf of this. We were talking to... Uh, the, uh, the leaders over there, and they're telling us that to just to remodel the bathroom, uh, to bring it up to code, to make it uh, handicapped accessible, it's going to cost $15,000. It's like, whoo, that's, that's a big amount. But Faithbrook is going to do their best. So I just uh, ask that you pray about something that you could do generously to really make a, a real impact in the homeless situations in our, our Twin Cities today. 
Well, I want to welcome you. Welcome you online. Hope you're up and going, and thanks for coming out today. It's going to be a good Sunday. Already is a good Sunday. We have survived another week in the metro area. The Chavin trial is over, and uh, God has helped us with some peace, but we still are wrestling with all the pandemic complications and, and variables out there. You know, we, so much has changed in our culture, and so many things are kind of shaky. It's kind of the backdrop for this series called Rock Solid. I was listening to a podcast this last week of, of a pastor out west that was sharing about the five storms that have swept through America this year. And he equated these five storms in this way. He said, first of all, we had the storm, the political storm, of a lot of tension out there and the voting and uh, different uh, political thinking and administration change. That was, that was quite the storm. And then we had the racial storm. Uh, there was some police overreach and people talking about systemic racism and who's got privilege and <clears throat> a lot of tension <clears throat> out there. Not to mention there was the riots. So we see violence and riots in our cities and we're not sure about that and should we even go down to certain cities, etc. Then the big one, of course, is the pandemic. It just kind of affects our health, our, our structures, our masks, not the mask. Uh, we're just kind of trying to navigate that. And the fallout of that is the, f- the fifth one. Is that's the financial uh, storm. So some people have lost their jobs. Some companies have restructured. People are not really sure going forward. So we have this unpredictable kind of shaky ground out there. And so when things are shifting, we're asking ourselves, man, what, what can we count on? Where can we go? What is rock solid to get some footing to just do life in a quality way. Well, we've been learning through this series that there are some rock-solid truths out there. And then one of the first truths that we learned is that you can count on God to be with you. Christ is with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what valley you're going through, you can count on me that I'm going to be rock-solid holding your hand and I am the Emmanuel who never leaves you. Now, last week we, we talked about, yeah, but there's a lot of philosophies, a lot of values and, and thoughts out there. Where, where do we get our <clears throat> true north? Who can make up their mind on what is right and wrong, morally, socially? And God offers the rock solid truth that no matter what changes, there is his word, his Bible, the unwavering rock solid truth of his Bible who can help us navigate through life. Well, is there another anchor point, another rock-solid truth that we need to remind ourselves today? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. Uh, There was a song that was a big hit in 1967. I'm going to read the verse to you and see if you can recognize this, and we'll get to the chorus. So the verse says, Nothing can make that can't be made. No one you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do. But you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. Anybody recognize that? Probably not. But you're going to recognize the course. And here's the song. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Anybody know who sang that song in 1967? Of course, it was the Beatles, right? In fact, it went all the way to the top of the charts. All you need is love. Did the Beatles strike a chord? Did they resonate with the importance of the concept of love? That all we need and maybe all we want is love. Now, sociologists and um, psychologists have known for years 
that love is so critically important to the human race. It kind of what separates us from the animal kingdom to the human race is that we have the ability to love, and we need love. Now, I'm not talking about the, <clears throat> the ooey-gooey romantic love. That's exciting. That, there has a place for that, yes. But I'm talking about <clears throat> the deeper, sustainable love that we are valuable, that we mean something important to somebody or something because love gives us uh, significance. It gives us importance. Some would say it gives me purpose in life, whether it be love from our families, our friends, or spouse. I need love. All we need is love. <clears throat> Someone said that love is even more important than money. There, there's been some confessions that says, yes, I've had all the luxuries of life. I've been everywhere, and I have the big houses, and I have all the, the toys, but you know what? There's nobody really in my life that really loves me and believes in me, cares for me, and it's left me empty, maybe even depressed. This need for love. Now, you compile this unpredictable, shaky uh, society today. We feel like we need more love than ever. There's someone that will care for us, someone that will believe in us. Well, my friends, I want to offer you the essence of love the person that he created love. And that person is Jesus Christ, the son of God. And love is the central attribute of God. John tried to share this in 1 John 4, 8, when he said, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. This love. I've been learning this last couple of years that either I'm in the grip of fear or you could throw in sadness or anger or I'm in the grip of God's perfect love. And we can find these examples of God's nature in the Bible. In fact, we're so thankful that there were people who were documenting Christ's walk and his account, his 33 years on life. And we see that Christ exemplifying this love. In fact, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. So what did we see Jesus do? Uh, one of my favorite stories is that as Jesus is coming in the town and the, and the word was out that this guy was kind of uh, special. He might be our Messiah. And so he's coming in town and, and people are, are coming to the curbs and, and they're all kind of gawking and here comes Jesus. Well, there was a, a little man in town named Zacchaeus. He, was, had a high, he didn't have a very big stature, short. In fact, his occupation was a tax collector. And so he was kind of a social outcast. Nobody wanted to be around the tax collector guy. He was kind of no, nobody, right? Well, he wanted to see Jesus. And so everyone was blocking his view. He's like, I can't see him. So he saw this tree, the sycamore tree. And he climbs up the sycamore tree just to see Jesus. I mean, there's hundreds of people. And Jesus is coming down the street, right? And everybody's, hey, and Jesus sees this wee little man up in this tree and knows his name. Zacchaeus, I want you to come down from that tree. Because you know what, Zacchaeus? I love you. I believe in you. And you know what, Zacchaeus? I want to go to your house. Everybody's like, you want to go to his house? Nobody wants to go to his house. He's a nobody. But everybody is somebody to Jesus Christ because he is love. The other account where, where's this lady sitting at this well, John 4. Nobody wants to hang out with this lady. She's a Samaritan. She's a scandalous lady. 
Jesus is there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and nobody's around because he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan, and, and they shouldn't even be together, right? But he strikes up a conversation with her. He starts befriending her and caring about her, and, and she's embarrassed. She's like, man, I'm scandalous. I've, I've had several men and husbands, and I'm just kind of a loser. And Jesus says, I know, because I know who you are. I love you. And he introduced her to the living water that she'll never thirst again. Here's a, another situation where they gave account where Jesus is in the city streets, and, and he runs across this grieving party, especially this mother who's just sobbing, her heart is shattered that she's lost her son to death. Jesus investigates, and they said, she just lost her son. She's grieving and mourning. It just breaks his heart, and he stops what he's doing. He intercedes, and he ministers to the situation, and he starts crying with this lady, and the writer said that, see how he loved. That's our God. That's the attributes of God's rock-solid love, that he cares so much to weep, and partner and live in that grief and mourning. There's another account where Jesus was coming into the city and, and he was becoming known as a healer and people were clamoring for his attention. Whether well, it was a desperate lady with, with a, a blood issue and she couldn't get it resolved. She tried everything and there was no healing. There was no solution. And in her embarrassment and depression, she says, I want to see the healer. But he was just surrounded by all these people and she couldn't get to him, but she was so desperate. And so the, the gospels tell us that she kind of barged in there and she said to herself, man, if I could just touch his, his garment, if I could just touch him, maybe something would happen. But everybody's asking for Jesus. Jesus is paying attention to me. But somehow she got her arm, her hand through all those people and touched his garment. Immediately, there was a touching. There was a, a seas of love that went through his body into her body and she was healed and the Gospels tell us that he stopped what he's doing and said, who touched me? Because my healing, my love went out from me. And who is it? And the people apart. And here this lady was embarrassed. Sheepishly, she was me. She explained, she says, man, I've been so desperate. I've been looking for healing. And I touched you and I could tell something's changed and be healed. That's the attributes of our Jesus. That's the attributes of this love that we can count on. The writers in Hebrews tried to communicate this when he says, for we do not have a high priest or, or a God in essence that is unsympathetic for, through our, to our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God says, come to me. I want you to come to the throne. Don't be scared. Have confidence because I love you. I want to help you, care for you. Now, ultimately, the way he showed his love was demonstrated on the cross. For Christ paid a high price for our sins. We should have been the ones that were on the cross, but because he so loved us, God sent his son to be that sin offering on the cross so that we would not have to suffer for our sins on the cross. How passionate, how merciful. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 8, but, but God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, God died for us. You know what? 
when we didn't even care about God, we just awful of ourselves. God loved us and died for us. While we were partying out there, God was hanging on the cross for our sins. While we were lying, cheating, God died and loved us on the cross. While we were hating on someone or talking behind someone's back, God still loved us. Billy Graham said, when Christ hung and bled and died, it was like God telling the world, I love you. I love you. Do you see that? Now, sometimes we're not always convinced that God loves us. If God's so loving, then why do so many bad things? I've been through some terrible times and, and heartbreak. What's going on? It's a good question. It's hard to answer sometimes. Last couple of months, I've been journeying with a childhood friend that uh, is in a group text of us guys. We kind of grew up together. And he says, hey, hey guys, I need your prayer because uh, my, my grandson uh, is a teenage young man, good-looking young man, is constricted cancer. The doctors say it's terminal. Would you pray for us? Pray, pray for his mom. She's just brokenhearted. So we'd be kind of praying, and he'd update it, and, and uh, he'd come back and say, it's not looking good. In fact, hospice is come to their house and uh, ministering to him. And uh, he can barely get to the, the living room, and we're just, we're just um, upset, right? You can imagine. Finally, just a couple weeks ago, God, guys, he passed away. You know, how, how, do you, how do you communicate? Oh, God's full of love. God's full of mercy. Isn't he see great? Yeah, not when my child is dying. Not when I don't see injustices and, and heartbreak and disease. What's going on here? I think sometimes what's easy to do is that we, we kind of judge God's love on the, the current circumstance. If the things are going good, we're like, hey, God's good and full of love. I got that. But man, the current circumstance is bad. We're kind of like, hey, where are you, God? I'm not sure if you love me or not. I'm not sure if I can count on your love. Now, this shouldn't surprise us because even Jesus went through this. The account of him dying on that cross and the agony of that crucifixion. He cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. Even he's questioning, hey, what's going on here? The pain is so excruciating. It doesn't make sense. Have you forsaken me? I'm not sure. But God's love never failed. It remained with his son. You know, I was kind of thinking about this, about do we, do we believe in God's love only in the good times? Or will we still believe in God's in love in the bad times? So last summer, we were vacationing out with our, our son in Montana, and Montana has some mountains and some hills. And so we got there, got settled, and we did a day trip. And everybody piled in to our sedan, and it was a good day. And uh, my whole family was in the sedan. My, my daughter-in-law, my oldest son, my youngest son, my wife, and I, we had a good time. So we did our thing. We're coming home, and we're rolling down this mountain. I, I bet you we're like 45 miles an hour, and there's this big intersection down this mountain. Well, I'm coming through it, and it's a big green light, right? So I'm just like, whoo, I'm gonna whip through that thing. Everything's feeling good. All of a sudden, this big 18 wheeler comes out of the blue and starts turning into my lane. You know, they can't make the first lane, they have to come all the way across. I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. It says green. What are you doing? I didn't even have time to think about that. It was instantly slamming on the brakes. I'm not, I can't lock my brakes up. I know that. And in just a matter of seconds, I have to make decisions. Make decisions. I'm like, okay, am I going left 
because that might be an option, but that's on the oncoming intersection where its light is still green. I got to go right. I'm not sure if I can make this right. And we're going fast. I mean, it was your life is passing before you, that kind of situation. I'm just, and turn that thing in. My whole thing, what? Right? And those big old tires, and we just barely passed that bumper. We ended up on, on the oncoming traffic over on the, on the shoulder. We kind of collect ourselves, and we're like, we could have just died there, right? And all kinds of emotion is flooding over me from, from fear to anger to confusion. We collect ourselves, and we don't, didn't talk about it much. We just went on. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I could have been one of those headlines right there. You know, pastor and family from Minnesota died. Horrific car accident. Never saw that, that coming. You know, but praise God, praise God, he, he saved us. And there was maybe angels and look how good God was. But my friends, I've lived long enough that we could have been the other side of that. The headlines that said people were tragically killed in this car accident, but it didn't happen. Here's my point is a lot of times we want to just dis, dismiss God's love if, if the tragedy happens, but God is there. Let me give you another example. So my wife works at, a, at an elementary school. She's kind of a support staff. She does different things. And a lot of times she's out on recess. So it's very common for us at the end of the day, how was your day? And she gives us some stories, what happened to school, whatever. She comes home this night and she says, oh, we had a bad thing happen at recess. This, this young man tripped or something and he just face planted it in the asphalt, right? And it wasn't good. I mean, there was blood and teeth and smash, and I'm just like, wincing, you know, and they pick him up, and he's melting down. It's just nasty, hurting, right? And you're like, yay, 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 yay. They're taking the nurse, getting them a towel. You know, they call the, the parents. And can you imagine getting that call, right? And, and, and the, the guilt maybe that that parent's feeling, it's like, oh, why wasn't I there? And, and, the, and the parent rushes in there and, and snarfs up that child, Right? Oh, honey, I'm so sorry for that. And the love that's oozing out of that parent to give comfort and love to that child. Now, most parents know that they cannot protect their child from every accident. They cannot protect them from face planting sometimes. Cannot protect them from broken bones or even accidents or even cancers. But this is what we do know, is that most parents would do anything to love their child and comfort them. If they could be there, they would be there. But that is life, that there are going to be some sorrows. There are going to be some heartbreaks. Parents know that, but parents also know whatever I can do, I'm going to be there to show them love and comfort and help them through. That's the love that we can count on with Christ. I've always said life can be hard. By the way, if life hasn't been hard for you, just keep living and it will show up, right? But God is good in the midst of hardship. This reminds me of the Apostle Paul. He's trying to communicate this and get this cross to these Christians in Rome. They're suffering. They're not doing very well. They're the minority under this emperor kingdom of Roman empire that, that doesn't look highly on Christians. And, and they're trying to um, proceed through life. And so he writes the, the book of Romans, talks about some theology, but he gets to this amazing chapter of chapter eight. It's my favorite chapter. In fact, I'm trying to personally memorize the whole thing this year. It's so amazing. And so he wants to communicate about God's love, even in the midst of struggles that they can count on it, that it's going to hold on to them. And so he writes in Romans 8, 31, just to prove it to him, he who did not spare his son, 
own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Christ Jesus who died. If he was being willing to give a son, and Christ Jesus willing to die, will he not pull back his love, or will he be willing to be there with us? More than that, who raised to life is at the right hand of God and also is interceding for us. He wanted them to know, and God wants you to know, that he believes in you. He sees you. He's going to be there for you and help you. His love is rock solid, and it remains. He goes on with the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, should hardship, or persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? And it's written, he says, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered like sheep to be slaughtered. Now, these things up here, trouble, hardship, persecution, you have to understand this was common. See, the first century Christians have a different expectation of their God than our, our century Christians. So today in America, you say, man, I want Jesus, and I'm going to sign up for all his protection, and he's going to answer all my needs, and he's going to buffer me from any accidents, problems, cancers, because that's my expectation. The apostle Paul and the first century Christians, it was exact opposite. They're like, we're not signing up for his persecution. In fact, we got brothers and sisters dying all the time. Paul, Paul says, man, I'm, I'm like a sheep. I face death all day long. As far as he's concerned, man, he's been in prison. He's been beaten. He, he's, he's been uh, uh, tr- people trying to assassinate him and kill him. He said, man, I could lose my life tomorrow. I, I'm just like, I'm not just a sheep. What are you talking about? It's not that the God's in a buffer for me. No, what, what he's trying to say is that no matter what happens, his love is going to be rock solid for my life. He, he goes on. He said, no, look at this attitude here. Just look at his disposition. Just look what is true in his life. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, what? Who loved us. No matter what's happening. So he, he started talking about, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, that'd be a good thing, oh, but there's demons, neither this present nor the future. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. That makes us a little bit nervous, right? Nor any powers, Neither heights, hey, the good times, nor the darkest times of death. And he just throws in everything. Neither anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is what is rock solid. And who is his love coming from? His spouse, his family, his loved ones, his job, his government? No. What is rock solid? It's coming from his Savior, Jesus Christ his Lord. So Paul is training his mind into this one truth, into, with all the, the variables and uncertainties and even pain. The truth is that no matter what happens, God's love remains rock solid. He might die tomorrow. He might have some more torture, but through it all, God's love remains. You know, I noticed that uh, uh, this is true uh, throughout some of the Bible. There's other accounts in the Bible, like Psalms 36, that is training their mind uh, into what is true. Um, here's an example out of Psalms 136. The writer says, we're not sure who wrote this, but, but he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. 
give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. That, that's kind of strange, kind of unique that he just keeps repeating his love endures forever. What, what, what's going on here? He goes on. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his, his love endures forever. It seems like he's looking at nature and he's reminding himself, hey, this, this creator made this nature that equates that, man, his love endures forever. He, he made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his, his love endures forever. And he just continues to continue on. The next verses. Coming down, yeah, it's to him. Now he's going to his past. He's like, you know, my ancestors, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought my family, basically, my, my ancestors, Israel, out among them with a mighty hand and outstretched. Oh, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Seas asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. He continues to repeat this phrase, his love endures forever. What's he doing here? Is he not reminding himself of what he can count on, what is rock solid, what is true. He remembered us in the low estate. You ever been in a low estate? His love endures forever. He freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to the creatures, cre- creature. His love endures forever. And he concludes with, give thanks to God of heaven. His love endures forever. This writer said it 26 times. Some people's like, that, that kind of bores me. Why would he remind himself 26 times that his love endures forever? As Craig Crochelle says, he's digging a d- d- trench in his mind to remind him when things are uncertain, he can't explain it, he knows what's going on, he's going to remember this truth, that God's love is rock solid. We can count on God's love. Do you have that in your mind? When the chips are down and you're not certain what's going to happen tomorrow, do you believe that God's love is for you? Is it rock solid in your heart? It is so beneficial to just train our minds, train our hearts and our thinking for what is true because our emotions and our society can always be shifting and up and down. But if we're rock solid, say, yes, I know all that noise is out there, but I'm going to know what's true is that his love remains. I was looking at uh, some, listening to some accounts of some Vietnam veteran POWs. There was a lot of airmen that got shot down in Vietnam. And uh, many of you might know that they went through some horrendous uh, capture, long suffering, horrendous conditions, years and years and years. And a lot of those men did not survive those POW camps. It was just ridiculous. And the ones that did, a lot of them would say the same thing. You know, we hardly had any communication. We were given nothing for pleasure to read or to do. And, and the only thing that kept us from going crazy, of just sinking down in despair and sadness and just giving up, which many of them did. The ones that didn't had this one thing in common, that we learned to train our mind on something positive. And for a lot of them, do you know what came through that helped them through and their mind to hang on to was their faith. Because in that generation, many of them were raised in church. Almost all of them raised in church of some account. And they went to Sunday school. They went to catechism. And they had some of the scriptures in their mind. They didn't have a physical Bible. But they started in their prison cells, started remembering some of those truths. And they would recite them and memorize them and remember them. Some of them said, I, I grabbed a hold of the hymns. I remember those songs now. That's the only thing I had was in my mind. And because 
of those songs reminding them of God's love and who God was. That's what got me through emotionally, mentally, and physically of what was true. Do you think, my friends, we need that in these days? Do you ever need that when things are shaky, unpredictable, not certain, that we got to go back to the rock? We got to go back to what is true? Because see, Christ wants to give us a, a life that we can live secure. We don't always have to be bogged down in fear. We don't have to be that in uncertainty and sadness and doubt. Jesus paid a high price on the cross for us to live free, for us to live saved, for us to live whole in him, that we can have a smile on our face and say, I'm not sure about that. And I certainly, are, I'm sad about that, but I know this for certain, that he's never going to leave me or save me. And when I need some truth and I'm not sure where to go, there's going to be this word that I can go to because my, I can't trust my emotions and I'm not sure if I'm going to trust all my friends and society. But this thing is transcendent. This thing is from God. And you know what? In doubt, I'm going to hang on to this truth that he loves me no matter what. It's rock solid. So I want to encourage you to do this step. I want you to train your mind and, and to do what, what the psalmist said in Psalm 48. Within the temples of God, we meditate on your unfailing love. We meditate. That means we ponder, we think. The most important thing you can do is just have your minds transformed on what is true, what is rock solid. And that component this morning is God's love. That no matter what happens, God's loves remain rock solid. Now this morning, our team's going to come out today and we're going to conclude with... Um, the sacraments of, of communion. Maybe at home you can grab something that represents you know, the, the bread and the cup. You might have got one when you came in. If you don't, you can raise your hand and our host will get you a, a cup. But this is a great time to ponder God's love. Many even know that when Jesus was going to be betrayed that night, he took that, that bread and he broke it. And he was explaining to those disciples that the bread would be, represent his body that would be bruised and broken for them on that cross. In other words, it would be a symbol of his love. As we prepare our hearts, would you just ponder and think about God's amazing love for you and receive that love today? He talked about the blood that would be about his blood on that cross, a, a new covenant of grace. It's really about his love. Would you ponder that? Would you remember that? So I'm going to ask them to, to sing this song, and then we'll take the elements together. Maybe you're, you're not a Christian today, and, and this really is for Christians, for believers, but it'd be a great time to just ask yourself, man, do, do I want that love? Do I need that love? And you can invite him in and say, God, I'm, I need that love. You died on the cross for me. Forgive me of things I've done against you, my sins. I receive your love fully. Come into my life. Because in just a moment, we're going to use these elements to just remember and celebrate his love for us. Let's sing together as we contemplate his love. Heavenly Father, maybe someone that's viewing this morning or someone that's here in person has just had a rough week and they question, God, am I loved? Why are these things happening to my life? Do you care about me? God, would you just use this message, use this environment to just remind them that you so love them. 
You left your perfect heaven to come to our world and die on a cruel cross because you love them. Everyone needs love, God. May they receive that love today. And Father, for us who maybe have been long-term believers, may we just solidify that once again, that in your mind, we, we are important. We are, we are highly valuable to you. If you went all the way to the cross and paid that such a suffering price, how much more, God, are you going to be with us, care for us and believe in us and help us through life? So today, God, we, we take the bread in our hands, remembering your suffering on the cross, your body, and take it, take it in remembrance of you. Let's take it together. same way we prepared a cup knowing that Jesus said this would be a new covenant it wouldn't be by works it would be by my blood poured out on the cross for your sins his amazing grace let's take it in celebration and remembrance